Attention, listener, I have an assignment for you. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to engage with the real nerds, a.k.a. the best podcast on the internet. You can listen to their episodes on their website, realnerdspodcast.com, and you can also listen to them on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and iTunes. Follow their social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This message will self-destruct never. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ming Chen from AMC's Comic Book Men. Listen, I have my own podcast. I have my own podcast studio. I don't really care about those. What I really care about is the Real Nerds Podcast, the best podcast in the universe, in the multiverse, in in on all Earth, 616 and beyond. Listen to it. Subscribe right now and uh, listen to this episode. Listen to all the episodes, but especially listen to the, listen to the one that I'm on. It might be the best. Thank you, guys. Camera, action! Well, a real nerd knows who shot, and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd Don't can... Don't be- talk film! I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Take it outside. Well, a real nerd knows who shot, and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd Welcome to Runner's Podcast, where for more than 10 years, we've been going to see a new movie and podcasting that experience to the world. This week, we saw The Lost City. With me today is Corinne. Yeah, only two of us saw The Lost City. The other nerds decided not to. Uh, Yeah, I thought Zach did because he gave a review in a chat we were having, and then apparently he, he didn't. And then Ryan has been sick and didn't want to spread his illness to the theater goers. So which I think is really just code for I didn't want to see it. Um, right. I actually saw him yesterday because I was in Idaho Springs. And so I was like, hey, like, let's meet up for dinner. So, yeah, he was saying, like, he didn't feel very well on Monday, I guess. And yesterday he was busy. And he's like, well, I could go see it Wednesday night. But, eh. <laughs> I was so excited about this movie. I was there Thursday night early with everyone else. Just kidding. Wow. Really? <laughs> no, it was just Thursday and I was bored. And I was like, I guess I'll take care of this now. <laughs> yep. I saw it on Saturday and I have since almost forgotten that I saw it. <laughs> Doesn't bode well for the movie. Uh, yeah. So that brings us to our review. Corinne, what did you think of The Lost City? Um, I told my friends after I saw it that it was like mildly entertaining, but ultimately forgettable. Like when you're in the theater, it, I don't know. Like, I think you had maybe lowered my expectations enough. I didn't have very high expectations to begin with because I didn't see, like, a lot of marketing for this movie. Um, so I didn't have, like, a ton of expectations for it. And I was actually not going to see it until you guys made it the movie of the week. And I'm like, well, shit, I guess I have to see this now because Ryan called me out on Twitter about it. Hey, so, we tried to find other movies. Trust me. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> So yeah, uh, so then I was like, well, shit, I think I have to go see this now. And then you were like, uh, it's okay. So I didn't have high expectations. And I was kind of, yeah, like mildly entertained when I was in the theater. But then the next day I was like, oh, yeah, I saw that movie. Huh. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's nothing really exciting. Uh, there are a couple of funny bits in it. And we will talk about those after the spoilers. But yeah, I, I I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to people unless it was their it was kind of their jam. You know what I mean? What yeah, did you think of it, Brad? Yeah, it's it's just a you know fun mediocre distraction. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure it'll, it's something I think will probably be done better just on streaming. Um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. There were some parts where you know i I thought there were some really good gags but then overall it just seemed like i don't know like every other romantic comedy i've ever seen and uh you know there's some severe special effects issues like Mm. uh like the green screen of them on like the top of the mountain and then uh i think 
again, I saw this on Thursday and I've, it's so forgettable that I've already forgot like a lot of what those positive gags are and the negative things are because I just haven't thought about it. But I, th- I thought the uh, camaraderie between Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock, their characters, was fun enough. And it is so much like Romancing the Stone hmm. that, um, you know, it, it didn't feel like anything special. You know, I I don't think I've ever seen that movie, but I know people were making references to it regarding this movie. Yeah. And even that one, like it took me three or four watches to finish, you know, um, even though it's like this huge, uh, it was a huge movie back then, you know? Um, so, but yeah, I, I didn't feel like I was watching, you know, it just felt derivative. I was, I was constantly wondering like, what, what was like, what, how did this get made? You know, like, what was the big selling point on it? Um, and then there's stuff in spoilers that, you know, I regret didn't, I, I think there was something like maybe this was edited uh, down uh, from something else. But anyway, uh, yeah, it, it's fine. It's just a fun, like, if you want to go distract yourself for uh, an hour and a half um, or, or do a date night, it's whatever. But it's also something you could wait for streaming. Agreed. And here's the trailer for Lost City. Three, two, one. Here's a trailer for the Lost City. Here's a trailer for the Lost City. Screw you, man. You led me straight to the Lost City. Now, prepare to die. There are just hundreds of snakes in this temple just waiting for us to show up. What? Why aren't they biting that guy? This is ridiculous. Delete. 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 Listen, Loretta, we need you to promote your new book on the Lost City. You can't spend your life in the bathtub drinking Chardonnay with ice. Ladies and gentlemen, the world's sexiest cover model, Dash McMahon! You do know you're not Dash, right? Dash is a character I made up. Dash! Oh, my God. Sage, I enjoyed your book about the lost city, and I believe you're the one who can help me find its treasure. I have to respectfully decline. I'm afraid I must insist. Unchain me! That's a seatbelt. Loretta Sage is missing. I'm gonna rescue her. I just want her to think of me as more than a cover model. Let's start living dangerously. Alan, what are you doing here? We're here to save you. I'm certified CPR, I'm certified CrossFit. I have snacks. After them! This is like your book. We're on a Love More and Dash adventure right now. I'm gonna help you out a little bit. Let's go. What are you doing? Don't do that. Oh God, get out of there. This is not a romance novel. Jungles eat people like us. Ah, What is that? Get it off. I can feel him sucking my soul. Ripper like a bandit. It feels like there's more. Holy mother of God. Uh, They're just sucking on my butt like a big old Jamba Juice. We're so close. I could actually find the lost city. If I don't get to this island, my friend and her cover model are going to die. I am driving. Oh, 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 oh. Loretta Sage, getting you out of here. Why are you so handsome? My dad was a weatherman. Hey, whoa, she doesn't oh. need saving in there. Okay. Uh, what are you doing in there? All right, now we're in spoiler territory. So I'm going to talk about the first big bummer of the movie is like, I wish Brad Pitt's character was in it more. Yeah, me too. He was like the funniest part of the movie. That whole sequence where he's like infiltrating the camp and then Channing Tatum is like trying to infiltrate it with him, but is, you know, ultimately just being a doofus. (laughs) Like that was actually the funniest part of the movie. And then uh, the whole thing where they can't cut her out of the chair because they don't have enough time. So then they put her in the chair in a wheelbarrow and then they have like the Pat Benatar song playing. <laughs> like that was probably the only moment in the theater I actually laughed out loud. And like how much more mileage could they've gotten out of it for the rest of the movie if he and Chang Tatum, like, well, if if Chang Tatum was like constantly dueling against how much better of a hero Brad Pitt is, but they take Brad Pitt out early. So then it's just, it's just banter between him and Sandra Bullock for the rest of the movie. Yeah. I didn't, I don't know. I didn't really like the banter between 
the two romantic leads, it just felt really cliche and just by the numbers. I guess we should but, say what the, the plot is. Um, oh. yeah, Sandra Bullock <laughs> is a is a romance novel writer who is in a bit of a slump. We find out that she is a widow. Um, so she's mourning the death of, I, I think, a fiance or boyfriend or whatever. I thought it was a husband. Husband, but yeah. Um, who was like a prominent archaeologist. So she, some of that's rubbed off on her. So she's been, she's been writing these novels um, and uh, she's kind of got a bit of writer's block and she goes on this book tour and she gets kidnapped from the book tour by Daniel Radcliffe's character who is using her knowledge to find the lost city. Um, and this, uh, this artifact, that's like a, it's like the crown of fire or something. Yeah. And he's already found the lost city. Um, so he just needs her to point them in the right direction to find this crown of fire and Chang Tatum uh, secretly admires her. So uh, once he finds out she's been kidnapped, he goes to try and rescue her. He hires Brad Pitt to help him. Yeah, Did you that mention people... that Channing Tatum is her cover model? Oh, yeah. I've tried to avoid stuff that's like obvious from the trailer. But yeah, Channing Tatum's the cover model. Um, I, I don't think I saw a trailer for this movie. Really? God, I saw so, so many times leading up to other movies. Um, yeah, anyway, I yeah. unfortunately got subjected to Morbius instead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, he he's the cover model for all of her books. Um, and he's kind of, I guess, a, a bit of a fan of the stories themselves. Sandra Bullock thinks they're, they're cheesy and that it's just a job for her. Um, but uh, Chan Tam is kind of like on the same page with the fans were like, you know, yeah, they're dumb, but um, you know, they do make people happy. And so that kind of uh, those things get carried through the rest of the movie as a, uh, you know, Sandra Bullock's dismissive of them as like a, you know, a gorgeous doofus. And um you know, Chain Tatum's constantly reminding her that, you know, what she does is important. And so, yeah, they escape from Daniel Radcliffe early on and they just have to uh, battle each other and him as they try to make their way back through uh, the island to find an airport to get home. And uh, yeah, that's about that for the plot. Um, so, yeah, like we said, spoilers, Brad Pitt gets offed early in the movie. Um, leaving Which the they... Did you stick around for the kind of mid credit scene? I did, yeah. So he's not actually dead. He does come back. Yeah, which I was kind of confused. I guess we didn't actually see like him. Like, we didn't really see him get shot. Like, he just like falls over and then there's like blood everywhere. So I'm like, I guess theoretically he could have survived that, depending on where he got shot. But And one of the funny uh, parts was Tang Tan were reacting to having Brad Pitt's brains like in his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so there's that but yeah at first i thought it was like a you know a meditation dream so they were imagining him being back but then i guess the way it ended it it, it seemed like he was okay yeah i don't know if that if that was trying to be like sequel bait or if that was just supposed to be like a funny in joke of like oh no he's not actually dead (laughs) i think it was such like a dark moment for a funny movie that uh I, I think they, they did the Ed credits thing just to be like, oh, it, you know, don't leave the theater thinking that, you know, one of the most famous actors in Hollywood actually, his character died, you know, it's like, oh, fun. Yeah, everyone survived. And, you know, it felt very Deadpool too to me. <laughs> like yeah. you just have Brad Pitt for this bit part where he just dies. Yeah. So that I actually kind of wanted him to stay dead. <laughs> Oh, another funny bit in the movie is when they accidentally kill those guys on the motorcycles. And then they're like, oh, wait, shit, did we do that? Yeah, I like, guess oh. those two didn't come back. Yeah. Self-defense. Like, um, Yeah, I think it would be more effective if Brad Pitt did resurface before the end of the movie. Like, if he was okay, like, maybe he would figure into saving them in the climax. Um, yeah, at least but... he could be on the boat with everybody at the end maybe he could have been the person who stops daniel radcliffe's character from running away <laughs> it's yeah. like where are you running we're on a boat <laughs> um yeah and then ultimately we find out that uh the crown of fire is really just a metaphor it's not a physical thing so well i mean it radcliffe... was but it's not the thing that it was just like made out of seashells yeah it's not a. it wasn't a made or... out of like you know rubies or whatever yeah which is what he was thinking so he's disappointed and decides to 
uh one of the frustrating things is one of those things where like the hero the, the villain will kill other people without a second thought but in the climax when you have the heroes at point blank range like oh i'm just gonna trap them in this tomb instead you know it's just like it's just hard to it's just an odd motivation i've been watching a lot of movies lately where the the villain does that especially um gotta sometimes i wish we did have the what we've been watching segment because i I saw a way more fun movie this week (laughs) called new york ninja where they'll constantly you know point again at, at the ninja and tell him don't move ninja and the ninja moves and they don't shoot him um yeah that's I guess like he Radcliffe's. wanted them to die slowly and suffer for all the crap that they put him through. I guess, yeah. Um, okay, the thing about the movie that bugged me the most, other than like most of it, but the whole setup at the end where they're going into the, like the volcano or the sinkhole or whatever it is, and there's like this very narrow passageway that they all have to crawl through to get there. And that thing looks so small. It's like maybe a small adult could get through it. Yeah, I think the whole point of the scene, it starts out, they're like, well, Sandra Bullock has to go first because she's small and can do it. Yeah, I thought that there was going to be like a door or something that she has to push the button to open it. Yeah. And then somehow Channing Tatum, who's like at least more broad shouldered than she is, I'm like, how the hell did he get through? And it's a good thing that that giant dude died when he fell off the the cliff or whatever because he definitely wouldn't have been able to make it yeah and isn't and i don't understand smaller than sandra bullock so like if anyone (laughs) i don't yeah and then she had a lantern when she went through because there were some some little bits there where it was like you know you definitely needed a lantern to see around these rocks and then somehow everybody else makes it through and they don't have lanterns and they make it back out or I guess the two bad guys go back through the the hole, whatever. I don't know. That just bugged me. Yeah. Ugh. There's one part where she's crawling through and she gets to like the second to last opening and it looks like she can barely fit. And it's like, yeah. How did Channing Tatum get through here? <laughs> exactly. Especially without a lantern. You yeah. can't even see to navigate around it. Uh, just, it bugged me. <laughs> I guess if it's just dark, you just keep going until you hit something. But so. I guess the land was not that big of a deal on the second time, but yeah, it's just yeah stuff like that. And then, like I said earlier, the there's this part where they camp out uh, after like a long walk for the day, and they're staying on top of one of the tallest peaks on the island. And I was like, this movie looks expensive, but this green screen of them standing on this mountain is so poor. <laughs> like how to, how is this still possible in 2022? Um. Yeah, and then also like when they're at the end of the movie when they're staying on the beach, it felt like that was like a reshoot with like yeah. a beach background. Uh, like they redid the dialogue or something for the end. Um, so I was like, wow. Like it, it like it's not B movie level, but it's just like for all the other effects and stunts in this movie is like really they couldn't make that look more convincing. So, um. Yeah. I feel like I had other stuff to say and then I'm like, nope, I just forgot. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Oh, I think this movie would have benefited from being like 10 or 15 minutes shorter. Just because I I was on board like the first third and then the second, like after the segment with Brad Pitt and them infiltrating the camp, it's like, okay, that bought enough goodwill from me that I was invested for the next, like, I don't know, half hour. But then once they figure out like, Oh, the sinkhole, like that's where we need to go. And it seems to just drag on from there. So I think it would have I think it would have been better if it was like 10 or 15 minutes shorter. Yeah. I was trying to think like what I would, cut out to make it shorter you know there's there's that uh i don't know tank chase whatever support utility car tank thing they have Mm -hmm. um which has like a bar in it and stuff like um like that seemed just in there because they needed like a, a car chase scene um so i'd probably take that out 
Um, I think the scene where her and him were camping and she like, you know, puts the, the masks on his back because he has eczema from the water. That could have been trimmed down a little bit. I don't know. Um, there were just some scenes I was like, why was that in there? Mm. The whole thing where the motorbikes guys come after them and they defeat them by tearing up the dress. It's like, okay, that was kind of funny, but did it do anything to advance the plot? I guess now her dress is destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, overall, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just sitting there going like, why, like, what was the, the purpose of doing this? Like, what were we supposed to take away from it? Other than it's just like an excuse to get like beautiful, beautiful people in a romantic setting on screen, you know? Um, I think Daniel Radcliffe just really wanted to play a bad guy and he does a good job. Yeah. He plays like the crazy eccentric billionaire son, like searching for approval pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very campy and I think that was kind of the point yeah but like I said like it's so much like Romancing the Stone I'm just like were they just trying not to do they is this supposed to be like a soft reboot thing where hey we need to renew our um, license on this property without angering people who really love those movies like um yeah i don't know i was just like i, I wasn't sure because I, I like i didn't feel like they had a new take on it you know like i kind of I, I really like the idea of a movie where the uh cover model of a book you know um i don't know how to explain it like that takes this seriously i guess mm-hmm. um so yeah, I don't know. It's not bad. It's not good. Just like it's, it's a it's a thing that exists and past the time. Yeah, I was telling Ryan yesterday that there's not really anything big coming out that I'm like dying to see until Multiverse of Madness. Like I might go see Sonic too, and I might go see this, that, or the other thing, but I'm not like, oh, I gotta go, I gotta go see it. So this movie fell into that category. Yeah, it just yes. hasn't been anything like so like the first half of this year up until Multiverse of Madness that I'm like, oh, I got to go see it. It's all the just multi- kind of like B movies. Yeah, Multiverse isn't is is only, a, you know, it's it's May, so it's only a month away at this point. So it's not that long of a wait, but. Um, yeah, it's nothing, nothing huge. I mean, for some people, it's Sonic, too, but not you. Or Morbius. <laughs> Or Morbius, yeah. Yeah, I'm so tired of seeing that trailer. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think I've any. I've talked to anyone who's like excited about it. So that and the ambulance, LA, L, LA ambulance, whatever. I see that trailer a lot too. Apparently, uh, Michael Bay's not even excited about it. Like <laughs> he's uh, dissing his own work. So I think he said like the special effects aren't up to par. For him um and that's his fault <laughs> so we'll see or maybe not i don't know there might be something else that week speaking of what's the big box office win of the week i don't know what do we call this segment now the big box office comeback yeah that's it After three weeks, the Batman is taking second place because the movie we just talked about, The Lost City, came in first place with thirty million, and hmm, the Batman took in another decent. twenty million, uh, which is putting it up to somewhere close to three hundred million or three hundred fifty million so far. Um, but yeah, uh, we're starting to get, to get back to normal weekend numbers or pre-pandemic weekend numbers. So seems pretty. Uh, pretty healthy um then there was this movie from uh foreign movie called rrr that took third place 
um, which is pretty amazing that in the past couple of weeks, an anime and a uh, foreign film have cracked the top five. So, uh, yeah, that movie took in 10 million here. I, think, I just think it's interesting because so much uh, American movies make the big bucks and get imp- exported overseas and um, dominate the charts, but they dominate the charts overseas, but fail to like register here, you know? So good for them. Yeah. It just doesn't like we were saying, doesn't seem like there's been a lot that's come out in the last. Okay. The Batman. But other than that, after Spider-Man, no way home. Was there anything really big that was like, oh, we all have to see this movie, you know, a big blockbuster. So it kind of makes sense that some of these smaller movies are picking up a little bit of ground. Yeah. I mean, there's not really a lot of good stuff to see right now. And there's a lot of smaller stuff that's built as a big deal, like Uncharted and Scream. Um, yeah, I don't feel like other than the Batman, I don't think a lot of stuff came out in March. Not any like recognizable franchises. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Not everything has to be franchise. You know what I mean? Just not yeah. any like big, big names. Yeah, I, I'm sure they're all stockpiling for the summer. So. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the summer is going to be crazy. <laughs> Maybe some of them should have tried to shoot for March or April. Yeah, that's it for years. Well, like they just... multiverse. It was slated to come out in March, I think, initially, right? Uh, yeah. Or no, April. April. End of March, beginning of April. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we've said it for years, uh, you know, the, the mentality of put all the blockbusters in summer is just such a holdover from days when more people were nine to fivers and, you know, school was out for the summer. But now that you have so many more avenues to access movies, like it's a year round thing. So I'd say just mm-hmm. pick a weekend and people just need something to do, something to see. So. Especially because they feel like a lot of those movies in the summer, they just cannibalize each other. Exactly. Yeah. So that and it seems like there's always big stuff that comes around in November and December. Because everybody's home for the holidays and stuff. Yeah. Like I said, there's so much streaming and access to like films outside of theaters that um, people are watching stuff all the time. Like you know back before that it was like okay we're gonna plan for this weekend to go out and watch the movie at the theater and that's why summer was such a big deal because there were so many more opportunities to do that and now that you can you know go see a movie in a theater or at home on your phone it's just like people have been trained to like oh i don't have to wait till the weekend you know in the summer to do this like, honestly, well, I know Pixar or Disney released Turning Red onto straight onto Disney Plus, didn't have a theater run at all. And if it had, I think it would have done really well. Because like we said, there's not there wasn't really a lot that came out in March, especially stuff that was like more kid friendly. Yeah, I think it's be hard for them to start that up again, because now they've done it so much over a long period of time that I like I think audiences are gonna if they've trained audiences audiences to expect them to premiere on streaming instead of theater. So um that's a shame. Yeah, I still don't get why they did that. Like I can understand for soul or onward or whatever, but yeah, I mean at this point, why yeah, not release it in the theaters? Yeah, I mean there's been simultaneous theater and streaming releases, like give make both options available. And Onward did make it to theaters because I watched it there. So I know, but I think it went on to streaming pretty early after that. Yeah. Because everything shut down. But yeah, I, you know, the next Pixar movie comes out. The first I'm thinking is Disney Plus. Like, that's where I'll f- I expect to find it. So if they have a theater thing, it'll feel like an afterthought. That's just where Pixar movies go. And apparently, Pixar is very upset about it so 
As they should be. There is absolutely no reason for Disney to put it on Disney Plus. Because like we said, there was nothing coming out in March other than the Batman. So why couldn't they have put it in the theaters? Eventually their partnership's gonna have to go through renewal. So it'll be interesting to see if you know, maybe in the next round Pixar breaks away from Disney and see and what kind of consequences that creates. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just get like a new deal where they have to screen theaters or can get more money for it for you know the lost revenue from that or it'll be interesting. I I can't wait to see that battle. How <laughs> that pans out. Maybe you know there could be a thing where you know, Pixar goes to a different studio. That'd be interesting. That would be weird. <laughs> so weird. I know DreamWorks has that the bad guys coming out, and Ryan and I were talking yesterday, and like it kind of looks good. Like you know, at least good enough that it's like I kind of have to check this out. So yeah, that would be interesting if like DreamWorks or Illumination. Or even, I don't know, Leica, maybe? Leica and Pixar teaming up? That'd be cool. Yeah, I don't know if there's like enough money for Leica <laughs> to buy Pixar into their studio. But um, yeah, it, it'd be so weird just to see uh, that, like the Pixar stable of characters um, under a different banner. So, Or if they even could. Like maybe they Pixar has to start from scratch. Because maybe, mm-hmm. you know, Woody and Buzz have to stay over at Disney. It's complicated for sure. Mm-hmm. You know what else is interesting is the news this week. It's real news. What is the news, Brad? Um, you wouldn't know it, but uh, an award ceremony uh, happened over the weekend. Did it? Celebrated wow. movies. We'll try to celebrate movies, but really just celebrated celebrity more i think and um uh i'm not sure what anyone won because all i heard was that will smith slapped chris rock on stage um i actually watched part of the ceremony and well yeah it was really upsetting to me because i you know i liked coda and i was really rooting for it in the best picture category and so when it won i was really excited and of course you know, by then, it, the whole slapping Chris Rock thing was already a meme. <laughs> like, it was kind of fa- funny how fast everyone on Twitter just made that into a meme. But, yeah, yeah. I- I'm sad that this has overshadowed, like, all the results and all- everyone's wins. And the fact that, um, I guess, like, the telecast... They they recorded some stuff earlier, and so people didn't get to see Samuel L. Jackson get his honorary Oscar or whatever. Yeah, I so, didn't know that was a thing. Yep, didn't I? Didn't only we, reason I know is because people on Twitter were upset about it. Yeah, all all this minority representation made huge gains and wins in uh, the awards, but all all we're hearing about is Will Smith smash Chris Rock on stage, and that's quite unfortunate. Um. Yeah, we had um, another uh, you know female director won best director for the Power of the Dog, and Jessica Chastain won best actress, and of course Will Smith won best actor. So, I mean, yeah, like I said, Coda winning best picture was really exciting for me because I was like, hey, I actually saw that movie yeah. <laughs> and I liked it. Um. Yeah, like I, I've been wanting to see it, but it, it requires like a subscription to Apple Plus. But it sounds like thanks to its win, it might make a, a return to th- a theatrical run. So um, that's when I'll go check it out. So, yeah, I I know it's supposed to be playing at one of the Regals, I think, this week. So, but yeah, you're the only one on the film explosion who had it on their list. So, yeah, um, I'm not, I'm, I would imagine that Henry saw it because that seems like the kind of movie that he would see, but I don't know if any of the rest of you did. I don't think so. Like I said, it's mostly an Apple plus exclusive and I know Ryan doesn't have Apple plus and I don't think Zach does. So, but I, Zach, I I imagine is totally open to seeing it. She needs the access to it. So, right. 
no, I did think that that was kind of funny. It's like, you know, one of us having the best picture on our film explosion list is not a surprise, but the fact that it was me <laughs> and none of the, and none of you other nerds saw it, unless again, Henry m- might've, but none of you other three nerds saw it. It's like that, that was surprising. So yeah, I figured it'd go to the power of the dog. Cause I know everybody was talking about that, but yeah, that's all I heard from industry people was their expectations that power of the dog was going to uh, sweep it. And it really, other than uh, the director, win, it kind of floundered. So uh, Dune, another one of your uh, favorites from your film solution list uh, crushed <laughs> taking like every technical category as well. It should that, I mean, that movie is beautiful and really well made. So yeah. I don't know about the other, other movies that were in its, races but yeah i i think dune is a really masterful piece of cinema so i'm happy to see it won so many awards but yeah, yeah it was um, interesting how it all shook out <laughs> spider-man no way homes only entries uh were taken away by dune and then um yeah the uh cinematographer lens uh the batman also did dune so um both gorgeous looking movies so not surprised there and I guess um, the Oscar fan favorite moment went to Zack Snyder's Justice League. Is that right? Uh, to Zack Snyder. So Army of the Dead won the favorite film. Like, you know, the 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 the, the popular award that you know Spider Man No Way Home was supposed to like. The whole reason the 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 uh, slot was even created was to get Spider Man No Way Home in. And then all the Snyder fans just put Army of the Dead through because Justice League wasn't eligible because it's like a re-edit of a movie from mm. years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like, they also, I didn't even know this, they also had a, like a second audience thing called the Cheer Award. So like film that got the biggest cheer. <laughs> and so that's where Justice League came in. So I'm like, well, how is it suddenly eligible? I don't know. That's so weird. I don't It's It was such a, like a Oscars hey we're doing this thing but it doesn't matter moment um just to get you to watch yeah it's it's just felt so irrelevant yeah i know a lot of people on twitter were really upset it's like well it's like they're trying to half-ass two things right they're trying to be relevant to the modern audience and you know memes and trying to you know get more people engaged with like the fan awards and you know popular movies versus just you know artsy shit which I kind of understand that, you know, that logic, but then a lot of industry people are upset because it's like, well, so then you're not actually honoring the best films or the best actors or whatever. You're just trying to do whatever is, you know, cool to stay relevant. And then that's why like, you know, so many things were cut out of the telecast or they were, you know, recapped later. And it's like, so you're not actually celebrating film and you're not trying to, you know, you're, failing to stay relevant to a modern audience so you kind of have to pick a lane yeah it's, it's this weird dichotomy because the oscars are created for the telecast so at the end of the day it's all about making a show that gets people's eyes on television to watch ads um if you want it to be about the art and the craft you have to not televise it like close the doors and make it a private ceremony Cause that's the only way that it, you know, it's, it makes it about the art. So, um, cause yeah, like if, if it was like your own jobs, employee of the month ceremony or whatever, like, would you televise that? No, no, probably not. <laughs> like, unless you did stuff like have, you know, a local band show up and like play a song or something like make it, make the ceremony entertaining. So, and in making the ceremony entertaining, it's like you're distracting from the awards themselves. So it's like this weird uh, paradox that you have to juggle all the time. And I just feel like audiences have come to expect that, like, you know, people are awarding these statues based on merit when it's really about, like, like like their opinions are definitive and like not subjective you know like there's a quantifiable um set of calculations that says like yeah coda is 
the best movie of the year. Um, if you hold it up against all these others, like you, you can tell that that's that. Um, or even in years past, like say Titanic or something like, um, or saving private Ryan versus Shakespeare in love. Like, I don't know. I just feel like, uh, audiences treat like the results of these as, well, that's the scientific proven results. And that's that, uh, when in reality, it's all subjective and it's all influenced by, you know, Hey, I worked with this person and I, you know, I like working with them. So, um, you know, this year I'm going to, you know, we didn't do a movie together this year, but like, I like that person. So I'm going to like vote for their movie, you know, stuff like that. So, um, yeah. And a lot of it is influenced by money and the fact that, you know, a, a streaming service, original film finally won an Oscar for best picture just makes me wonder like exactly how much money did Apple TV have to shell out for that? <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, Oscar gift baskets, you know, oh, yeah. Apple plus throwing money around town, trying to get uh, eyeballs on their, their platform. Um, and I'm sure Netflix is frustrated because they, they've been doing it way longer um, mm-hmm. and navigating the, the, you know, the rules to get their movies into theaters to be eligible. And uh, yeah, Apple plus is the first one to come away with the win. So that's gotta be, uh, frustrating but yeah like miramax that's what miramax did for years um you know campaign campaigning and getting their movies uh more votes so that they could uh you know take all these small art house films and get them uh more attention uh on home video release so because mm-hmm. it's ultimately an investment if you get a best picture nomination even then that translates to you know more money for that movie, especially if it's still in theaters, which is why so many of them, you know, they release, they tend to release later in the year for that reason, like November, December timeframe. And even, you know, we've seen that with like 1917, where it had like the limited release in New York and LA in what was that, 2019, just to be eligible. But then 2020, you know, it had the wide release everywhere else. So um and then yeah if you get the best picture win then that's even more money on top of that so yeah i can understand like if apple tv or netflix or whoever you know they're shelling out money for these for your consideration campaigns because they see it as an investment but like we put in you know x amount of dollars in for this marketing stuff now so that we can get you know 30 million dollars more at the box office or, you know, however much it is. Yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, like, it all translates more into more money in their pockets. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, yeah, the, I was actually... just like a huge platform to, you know, get those movies into the public consciousness. So, um, even being nominated, like, is a huge, huge deal. So, um, at the end of the day, I just think people shouldn't worry about so much about what won and what didn't and just appreciate that people are aware of them and talking about them. Yeah. I, you know, the whole discussion about that, I went back through the Oscar winners and nominees for best picture for the last like 30 years, I think like 1990, 1991. And just looking at like all the films that were nominated each year and like, which of them won, it was actually kind of surprising. Like sometimes the winner was like a movie that had a lot of staying power that really, you know, seeped into pop culture and like, you know, is very still very well regarded, like Silence of the Lambs, you know, for better or for worse, people know that movie. Um, even though Beauty and the Beast mm, should have won. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but then, you know, you had other nominees and even some winners that I'm like, I have never heard of this movie. And it only came out like, you know, 10 years ago or something. And you'd see like in some years, the, the one that won the Best Picture award you know, it was, it's relatively obscure compared to some of the other nominees. I, I forget whichever one, it, when Inception was up, but like Inception was nominated for Best Picture, but it didn't win. But it was probably the most famous movie that, you know, of whatever was nominated that year. Inception is the one that, you know, people think about, you know, it has the most staying power. It has the most influence on pop culture in the movie industry, arguably. So yeah, it's almost like we should like retroactively give out the best picture awards, <laughs> like 30 or 20 years later, 
to say, hey, like this was actually the best picture of, you know, 2005 because, you know, it's the one that actually made an impact on the industry or on the culture. Whereas all these other ones are just kind of like, eh, it's whatever. Or you so, could just I'm, treat, or you could just treat blockbuster movies as legitimate art and not treat them as uh, somehow deficient to, you know, smaller budget art house movies. Because, like, if you look back, because I think it's like a, the past fifteen years, like you know, the popular m- movies used to be, you know, up and through. I think up until like the nineties and early two thousands, often there was less franchises, so the blockbusters would be like this one-off thing that felt like, like jaws or something yeah Yeah. jaws or like um Forrest gump or something you know um Mm -hmm. you know those movies were also the big budget popular movies so they would get best picture consideration and wins and then you know ever since i think like probably 2002 spider-man like all those comic book movies coming out since then um has really shifted the landscape to where it feels like the art house movies and smaller mid-range budget movies has have to like gatekeep um the, the definition of art i guess of mm-hmm. like what a movie is so it's like factioning into you know the oscars where you know the thing that's actually funding your ability to even make movies is is being treated like a pariah um of the of the art that makes sense yeah I, I mean it just kind of frustrates me that you know, especially in more recent years like you were saying that a lot of these more indie more artsy movies are getting you know nominated and that's fine but it's like looking back now from you know like say 10 years 10 years later it's like what was the impact that that movie had on the film industry or on pop culture or what have you Versus something like, you know, Wonder Woman or, I don't know, I'm trying to think of like Logan, you know, there were a bunch of comic book movies that got snubbed, quote unquote, but I I don't know. (sighs) It is what it is and us bitching about it on on a podcast is not going to change how the industry does things. Yeah, Yeah. I don't think fans should take ownership of the Oscars. Like it's an industry award. It's their thing. Um, Unless you work there, like your your opinion like doesn't matter like um it's just frustrating to like read all the stuff online like oh what should have won what shouldn't win and like by people who aren't actually making movies like this is their thing let them have it if they want to award you know there's all this interconnected stuff that behind the scenes we like like i said before like these people work with each other and you know that's influencing their decision i think it's not so much like no one's sitting down and like laying out all the nominated films and watching them completely from end to end and then voting. Right. Like there's just no time for that. Like they all work like 18 hour days. Um, Yeah. They're not, they're, you know, they're not going to watch all that stuff. So it's like, it's at a certain point you start voting for people, you know, um, or what you just heard or liked or like all these different factors. So it's never really fully about like a definitive (laughs) search for like the best art, you know? It's, it's, yeah it's all, and i understand that but it goes back to like that whole thing we were saying earlier about like the dichotomy yeah. of you know what the oscars actually is versus what it tries to be where it tries to be more relevant and it's like you're saying it, it is an industry award but it tries to be like like this is on behalf of like the whole like fan you know i don't know like all of the movie fans everywhere like we are gonna definitively pick like the best picture of the year for everyone i mean maybe that isn't their goal but that's kind of what it feels like sometimes well, that's definitely how i mean it comes that's off for sure yeah, yeah like because so many people put you know whether they're just film you know fans or whether they're film industry people you know a lot of people put weight into the oscars versus i don't know like the mtv movie awards like who cares what mtv movie award says is the best picture of the year it's like the oscars has more weight so yeah. But anyway, as far, for for uh, populist opinion, MTV Movie Awards should have more weight because that's the one that recognizes what people love about going to the movies. Sure. Um, so, but I, of course, I, I think the public the consciousness Oscars. has to has to shift to stop thinking that like 
the Academy Awards is the one that does that. Yeah, I don't know if it's something that I think it's a little bit of both. Like it's something that we as film fans have to do, but it's also something that the Oscars, like as an organization, also has to do where they're just like, no, 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 no. We're just not going to try to be popular or in or whatever anymore. We're just going to just going to give out these awards and recognize our own for their work. Yeah, And it doesn't have to be telecast or it doesn't have to be a meme or whatever. Yeah, that's what I'm, I was saying. Like, if you want to be, be if you want to be about the art, close the doors. Like, maybe make it a private ceremony, release the results, you know, later. Because, um, yeah, I mean, what happened to the People's Choice Awards? What, like, wasn't that supposed to fill that need of, like, hey, this is what the people who went out to see the movies and paid, this was their opinion, right? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Um. Yeah. Anyway, we talked a lot about the Oscars. Um, yeah, we did. So I guess that takes us to our new segments. I think uh, you're going to send something in maybe. Yeah, I think I'm going to talk about Moon Knight. So here's me talking about Moon Knight along with everything else the other nerds submitted. Hello, everyone. Corinne here uh, to share my thoughts on the first episode of Moon Knight. I know I promised to do a Catching the Classics on John Carpenter's The Thing. Didn't get around to it yet, but I ended up watching the pilot of Moon Knight this morning and just wanted to share my thoughts with it since Brad and I just recorded the episode uh, for this week. And um, I gotta say, I I personally was not super impressed with it. I'm definitely willing to stick with the story because I'm like, I'm just as confused as the main character is. And I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. I mean, I have a vague idea, but I'm like, I I just have a lot of questions and I'd like answers to them. So, yes, I am. I'm willing to, you know, stick around and, and give it some more time. But, yeah, I was not super impressed with it. It just seemed like the show went out of its way to make sure that you knew that the main character, um, Steven, I guess, um, although apparently we're going to get introduced to this other personality or persona or whatever that he has in his psyche. Um, so, but yeah, it goes out of its way to make sure that you know that Steven is like a total sad sack and um, you know, like, lives alone, and nobody likes him, and he's just kind of, like, forgettable to everybody who does know him, and his, you know, mom apparently doesn't answer his phone calls, so, yeah, I don't know, um, I like seeing Ethan Hawke again, uh, I haven't seen him in anything since Juliet Naked, and that was, I don't know, three, four years ago, so, I mean, I'm sure he's been in stuff, I know he was in that, like, black mask or whatever what was the one with the the one where he was like kidnapping kids or something the character was kidnapping kids um yeah yeah sorry I don't have like a ton to say about it other than I wasn't super impressed with it it just felt really jarring and confusing and again I know that's the point but that doesn't mean I have to like it (laughs) Um, or at least it was just, it wasn't so entertaining so much as just frustrating. I was just, you know, like waiting, like, can I get some little crumbs here? And it's like only at the very end do we get any kind of like answers or revelations or anything like that. And there was a decent scene, I suppose, but, uh, <laughs> I did keep thinking of, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh!, <laughs> Because of the whole, like, Egyptian thing and, like, two people sharing the same body. I was like, this feels very Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> like, I'm just waiting for somebody to start playing dual monsters and talking about, like, the fate of the world or something. And Millennium Items and all that. So, I, again, I'll keep watching it. But at least as, as far as, like, a pilot goes, it was a very jarring introduction to the series. Again, I know that was the point, but I think it could have been executed a little bit better. Maybe it could have been a little bit shorter to, like, hook you more easily or, you know, at least, like, give us a few more breadcrumbs just to kind of get people more invested because right now it's, like, it's so jarring and so weird that I'm not sure if 
like, of course the diehards are gonna love it, but I'm like, I don't know if just, like, your average mainstream person is just gonna, like, well, I'll give it a shot, and then, you know, they watch it, and they're like, eh. <laughs> uh, I mean, I could see that happening with, like, my mom or my sisters, maybe, you know, it's like, they like Marvel and the MCU and stuff, but, and they watched, you know, Loki and Falcon and Winter Soldier and all that, so I'm just thinking, like, you know, someone like them, you know, are they really going to be on board with this after the first episode? Yeah. Maybe. So, anyway, I've ranted about that long enough, so next time I will hopefully have John Carpenter's The Thing for you, but, um, uh, uh maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Alright, bye! Hey film buddies, follow me around Denver. Uh, this week at the Esquire, uh, they're screening Who Framed Roger Rabbit Friday and Saturday at 10 p.m. Don't forget that. They're no longer doing midnight movies. They're doing late night movies, and that starts at 10 p.m. So check out Who Framed Roger Rabbit at the Esquire at 10 p.m. Friday and Saturday, April 2nd and 3rd. Yeah, and that's what's going on around town this week. Well, that does it for this week. Uh, great segments, everyone uh corinne thanks for joining me on this episode when the others couldn't yeah i don't think there's ever been an episode with just you and me i know you and ryan have done like the two of you before and i think you and zach maybe but i don't think you and i have ever done an episode on our own i think uh this rounds out all the different combinations like i think you've done a solo with ryan right um well yeah at least we he and i did it for the movie madness uh announcement so i don't know if that technically counts but yeah i think he and i discussed at some point off air like one like either you or zach has to be on an episode at least because you are the ones who like run the boards and everything (laughs) and like get the recordings and all that so other than movie madness i've never i've never been on an episode with just him and i and Zach, I'm trying to think of like an episode ever... you and Zach did. There I was think... an episode just Zach and I did. I don't remember. Uh, I I can't remember either. I don't know. Um, but I'm just saying, like I I think uh, like that was a that was like a a conquest that you had with all three of us. That like you you've only start you've only just begun. <laughs> I guess <laughs> that makes sense. Sorry, I'm also okay. trying to look up the next week's movie. <laughs> Well, I'm explaining uh, that. Um, Morbius? Or, no, wait. Yeah, it is Morbius. Okay. What <laughs> time for me to be out of town? <laughs> yeah, I'm not seeing that. Um, uh, there's like a, there's something else that came out. Oh, it was like the contractor or something like that. It has Chris Pine in it. Yeah. And I'm there's, like, there's I a, see that. There's a bunch of limited release movies next week. Um, so good luck getting Ryan to find it. Yeah, um, or I'll just go to Ghibli Fest and I'll go see Princess Mononoke. There you go. Yeah, screw Morbius. I ain't seen that movie. Um, oh, the rest of us will see it because it is the biggest movie coming out next week, and uh, that's usually what we choose. And it's part of the it's part of the Marvel verse. So, um, well, apparently, you guys are not picking Sonic Two. Whatever week that comes out, you guys are going to go see something else instead. That's what Ryan told me. Well, the end of April is kind of open, so I think even though everything everywhere all at once and Sonic the Hedgehog Two came out come out the same week, I think we might just like push one of those to mm. a different week. So, because then it's Fantastic Beast, which I'm not into. Maybe Ryan yeah. is. Um, so we might bump that and then the bad guys so yeah i've never seen the first fantastic beast movies and even though i didn't see the first sonic movie i would be tempted to see the second one because it has tails in it and i like tails also knuckles and idris elba i mean he's always a win it seems more in tune with the games uh exactly yes emerald and dr robotnik is more of uh, Mm mm-hmm more of closer to his character design so yeah anywho uh that's what april's looking like so corinne again thanks for joining us yeah thanks brad for hosting and uh we'll talk to you next week 
See you at the movies. Bye. Well, a real nerd knows who shot a real nerd. Can follow the plot of a real nerd. Look at all the gods. Lights, camera, action. Thanks for listening to Real Nerds Podcast, a Nebulous Visions production. Stream or download episodes, read articles at realnerdspodcast.com. Stream us on Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Follow us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, at Real Nerds. Watch us on YouTube, Real Nerds Podcast. Email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Call us at 720-6Nerds5. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill, Mike at Plan 9 Studios, and Bologna for all of our groovy theme songs. And that's how you fucking do it.